Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. This is a very special episode. It is the uh, the travel episode, and we're also joined by a very special guest, Lewis Elliott. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. Um, we'll dive into a little more about you in a second. I want to say hi to Marilyn. Hey, gang. Good to, good to chat with you. And I'd love to hear where you guys are at for the listeners. Oh my gosh, we are in Costa Rica. So fun time down here with the Pura Vida Challenge. And I've been wanting to come to this for the last two years. And I finally got to come and um, really excited to be here. I've never been here. I've traveled a lot, never been to Costa Rica. And I've been hearing about these epic climbs here and the you know, beautiful roads and all the things to see and the challenges that every day presents for the last couple of years. So I'm excited to, to tackle it. I wish I was in a little better shape to tackle it, but regardless, <laughs> I actually, as much as we were joking about, about before, I'm, um, my main goal is just to be able to finish every one of these climbs because you don't want to come to a great country like this, get exposure to such amazing cycling and not get to do it. So I'm determined to not get in the car. That's my, that's my goal for the week. <laughs> yeah, I've been here, uh, it's my fourth time here. I oh, came, wow. I came last September for the first time, and I haven't missed a trip since. So, and I've yet to. Well, no, I actually did get in the car. I got in the car for one of the, of the descents because I mean they're like straight down, and my brakes weren't working great. And I said, oh, <laughs> I'll just, you know, hang out in the car for, for a while. But then uh, we got to the bottom, and I rode again. It's it's great. I don't I don't want to miss it now. Awesome, um, and. I guess just for the listeners, can you tell us a little bit about what, so this is a, a camp that's. It's a, it's a, it's a five day challenge. It's called the Pura Vida challenge. And it's uh, uh, Dan Casey and Jennifer Volman's kind of baby. They put it together. Um, Dan lived here for a lot of years and it's all of like uh, his favorite climbs. He was a pro triathlete um, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And he used to live here and train here and uh, all of his favorite climbs, which are totally different from climbs in the U.S. They're really steep and um, kind of just built straight up the mountain. There's no snow or ice to contend with. And uh, he just wants to share it. They want to share it with uh, everybody uh, from the U.S. or anywhere really from Europe. And uh, so it's five days, kind of one feature climb each day and, you know, four, four or so hours on the bike each day. Well, there's the one day that they keep talking about that I asked Jennifer today. I was like, yeah. okay, so legitimately, can I expect this ride to be about six hours? And she's like, well, <laughs> we're going to be out there at least nine hours yeah. because we stop for lunch and those kinds of things as well. But it's, uh, I'm imagining, I've done some pretty big epic rides in my life, but I'm imagining this is going to be right up there on the storytelling type, yeah, type they're, thing. It's a big, they're big kilojoule days. You can't really, uh. You can't hang out. You can't ride wheels. I mean, they're even, you know, just, you know, even that day, like there aren't really any climbs and you're still at 6,000 feet vertical before the, the big one. Oh, wow. Okay. It's just a lot of up and down all the time. So, um, yeah, and they've got some, honest, yeah, sure. they, they've, yeah. They've, they've set up some cool opportunities too. Like the locals come, they, they, they train all year, mm -hmm. literally to get the opportunity to ride with the group that comes down here. And some of them are pretty legit pro cyclists. Yeah. And so I've been, I've been saying that since we got here that, uh, Lewis and some of those pro guys, they need to, you know, put down some solid effort at those and capture it on Strava. So people can compare and come, you know, if they want to come to the event next year or in the fall or something like that in the spring, um, they can, they can test themselves against 
some pro cyclists that live here that are really legit and and see if they can beat the times and you know you can go on their website and check out the stages and actually see the profiles of the climbs and there's gonna you know that might provide some benchmarks for people to see like these guys are you know quite fast and this is what they're doing that time and they can compare it from there so i'm really excited it's gonna be a fun week awesome sounds fun yeah I'm a little jealous stuck here in, uh, in the desert while you guys are there. I'm watching the rain on the rainforest behind you. It's, uh, when the lightning flashes anyways, that's, that's pretty awesome. Well, maybe you have to come in January or, uh, in May It'd be cool. Yeah. All and right. you can't, when there's a nice 50 meter outdoor pool, good running that stuff. Yeah. Jennifer actually asked me today. She goes, do you think Jesse would ever come down here? And I said, <laughs> yeah, totally. So awesome. Super cool. Um, well, yeah, maybe I'll be down with you guys next time. But for now, we're excited to have Lewis on here, and I would love to kind of pick his brain a little bit on the trajectory of his career and, and yeah, how it went and kind of what worked well, what didn't, and hopefully we can kind of give some takeaways for the listeners because, um, and you can, you can kind of jump in here if, if I'm wrong, but I, I, you were a pro road cyclist, pro mountain bike, biker, pro triathlete, and now I've done like some gravel racing and back in the pro mountain bike scene a little bit. Yeah. And then I'm going to get back into pro triathlon and back into pro triathlon. All right. So I'm just to do Indian Wells as a pro we'll see, we'll see what happens, but awesome. Awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to go do that one. So, so yeah. just, just for all of us, can we, can we rewind the tape back and like, how'd you get in your start in sport? And we can kind of like go through the early years pretty quickly. Cause I want to focus on the, the end years, but just give sure. us a little rundown for, so we all know. Um, well, I, I started like I was a runner as a little kid and then, uh, I didn't love that. And I got into cycling with my dad and some of his friends and I was good at that. And then kind of, as you climb, you go to the regional and national races and did well and ended up on, uh, the U S national team, uh, as of like the end of 1996. And at that time, the juniors would go live at the Olympic training center so I kind of was in and out of there, living there for a few years, kind of like sophomore year of high school on. And then uh, kind of like by 19, the end of 1999, I was, I was done. I was like 19 and done. Like there are a lot of factors involved, but I just wasn't going to, I wasn't going to continue. And um, I kind of had a year or two there. I went to uh, Montana state billings for a, a period of time, you know, trying to figure like I literally like all I ever wanted to do was be a pro cyclist. And then I was really aware I wasn't going to be. And I, that was kind of a weird place to be in, especially when you kind of traveled all over the world, raced everywhere, done all this cool stuff. But then you're like kind of not you're, you're you're still only 19. Right. So um, a year later, I started running. Um, I was going to think about playing college soccer because I'd done that as a kid. And uh, so I was running a lot and playing soccer and I entered a local 5k and did fairly well and thought I always like dreamed of being a triathlete, especially when I was in the Olympic training center and the dudes would, I didn't like that. They came to the buffet with their speedos on, but I thought they looked cool <laughs> and that they had like this great ability in sport that we didn't have. And, and, uh, in, in that they could do all these different things. Um, one piece of information that people laugh about is, you know, like Ian Thorpe and all these famous swimmers would come train there. Cause it's like a 50 meter pool at altitude. And in being there for the most part of four years in Colorado Springs, I never once got in the swimming pool. <laughs> That's how into swimming I was. Like I didn't even okay. know how to swim. So uh, it didn't occur to me. Um, and uh, 
yeah, so I did a triathlon for fun in uh, 2001 and uh, just really enjoyed it and thought it was cool. And I thought like, now I like to run a bit and I like to just ride for fun. And I really never intended to do it. Uh, I kind of thought my sporting days where I would, was pursuing it as even attaching career to it at all were gone. And uh, so you and were then, officially retired from pro sport at 19. Yeah. I mean, I was like, then, so I'd ridden like on a couple of pro teams and usually what would happen is like when you would race internationally, when you're really young back then you'd race for the national team, the USA. Mm-hmm. But then it, uh, when you race domestically, you'd probably race on a pro team just because they'd pick up those teams would be at those races and they would pick up the, the cost. So sometimes I'd be like on a completely different bike, different kit, racing domestically. And then when I would race international races in uh, U23 or ju- more junior, I would, uh, I would be on the team USA. Um, yeah. So I was done and uh, triathlon. I uh, like, I really never thought, yeah, like I would do that, but um, I just really enjoyed it. And so I just started training for it thinking like anybody like, Hey, I want to, I want to improve a little bit and get better at, at particularly swimming, but I just wanted to do it and see, uh, what I could do. I didn't really think I could get too far because of, uh, you know, I didn't know how to swim very well. And also I mentally just didn't think I ever wanted to get back to being like a really like intense athlete again. Um, so, uh, yeah, like when I started racing at a higher level and, um, thought that maybe I could do it like a little bit, like I thought maybe a year or two as a pro and then I would move on totally, you know, like, cause you, you just hear about guys, struggling and not making money and whatnot. Um, but I did think of it like I would kind of felt like I was, um, like given a second chance sort of. And, and so I was really grateful, um, kind of like regardless of, of outcome of races, I was kind of like, well, it's cool. I still get to brace and that's cool. Whether I had to pay for it or whether I'm, there's any trajectory here, I don't know, but I really wanted to be an athlete. And, and so I kind of found that in triathlon and really that was a long time ago now, but I've kind of kept on and off for a long time doing it. Gotcha. I'm kind of interested, actually. Let's uh, sort of pause the storytelling for a second and dig into, as you said, like cyclists, they they don't swim. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. maybe some do now a little bit more. They've, they've picked yeah. up on that they can get some recovery from it. But back then, back in that time, you definitely didn't swim. Um, or run or run or walk yeah or yeah, you <laughs> yeah. rode your yeah. bike to pin your numbers yeah. on like yeah. if you walked to register yeah. to pin your numbers there was a lot of in there yeah, like... it was a different time for sure yeah, yeah. and there so, were no riders doing cyclocross and road or road and mountain yeah. oh, it was just you did there were even guys that were like i'm a time trial specialist and you just live on your time trial bike like it was such a specialized era yeah yeah so that transition into okay i'm gonna swim now like you joked about you know you were at the olympic training center for four years didn't ever go in that no. beautiful pool Mm-mm. and you know was there a conscious decision like i am we had this conversation actually yesterday about was there a conscious decision of focusing on i'm gonna learn to swim well and technically well and then you know develop and build from there or was it i'm just gonna give swimming a go and and try and get as fit as possible or was there like a was there even a thought pattern in place like was it something that you planned out what was because that's like that's a big step to go from I don't swim at all to 19 years old and potentially going to be racing in a pro by then I was like 21 yeah yeah yeah. you're young yeah yeah you know yeah it was weird because people like back then Jesse probably before your time now that you're like a really established guy it was like there was actually duathlon still which was run, bike, run. And 
there were there was a Dannon series and there were pretty big races. So I kind of like it was hilarious because I didn't want to be a duathlete. Like I thought that that was like a non-sport. But whenever I like two or three times a year, I would go to a big duathlon to give myself a confidence boost <laughs> and then go back and just get crushed at triathlon. But um, yeah, I think I turned pro like after one race, um, mainly because I knew the people in Colorado, which is where USAT was. And the, the lady, the gal was like, she knew me from the cycling days. She was like, really warned me, like, you can if you want, but this isn't going to be that fun for you. Like, trust me, <laughs> like, you need to learn how to swim. And uh, so, like, my in those early races, it was like the goal was just to catch anybody and, like, hold off the women's field as long as I could because they would usually start three or five minutes behind us and I would get usually, like, wailed on right around the first buoy as they came. Barb Lindquist or somebody would just swim right over the top of me. And uh, I did that for about a year and a half, two years, and uh, it was, like, I kind of felt like I, meet, I reached the level I could reach losing 10 minutes and a half Ironman swim. And at that point, I, um, I had a friend who lived in Phoenix. I was staying in Tucson a lot back then. Um, and I had a friend who lived in Phoenix who invited me up. He was a swim coach and he said, Hey, you know, you're going to, you need to do like, you know, six months of really focused swimming, lifting, live like a swimmer. And he's like, I bet you'll come out the other side a lot quicker. So back then I was like, a, I'd gotten down to maybe a 33 or 34 minute half, a half Ironman swim. And I wasn't improving. And, and so then I did like the, you know, I don't know, 10 or 11 masters workouts a week three like swimmer dry land sessions and just like didn't even think about registering for a race or anything, maybe one run a week for probably five months. I did that. And it, that was the, that for me, like that was when I was able to start to do better as a pro for sure, you know, and not be kind of like embarrassed every race. <laughs> yeah. <We're>, uh... <clears throat> I yeah. like how you refer to me as established. Uh, that's a nice way of saying. Yeah, it. I mean, you've been around I, a while. I appreciate right? that. <laughs> Since yet, you've been racing pro, right? So, yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah. So that was like 03 when I did that at awesome. at Phoenix Swim Club, which isn't that original facility isn't there anymore. But uh, there was a coach there named Matt Rankin, who uh, I think he I think he swam at U of A, might have nice. done the Olympic trials. He was cool. He and his twin brother were the coaches there, and he kind of was like, I think he liked my enthusiasm and was like let's do it. Let's go for it. And, uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it was weird. It's like that old, uh, I don't know. It was Lamont or somebody in cycling said that it doesn't get any easier. You just get faster. That's kind of how swimming was. Like I couldn't, I remember there was an early set I did where I missed 10, one hundreds on 140 yards. And I remember like, I remember that being like, that was the second week or something when I was already slowed down because the volume was so much that I was like just getting slower and, and, uh, I remember thinking like, okay, I'm done. This is ridiculous. Like I'm in the second slowest lane of just like recreational masters and I can't do it. And, and I, you know, then though, from that point on, it kind of, it was also like, it couldn't get any worse and it started to get better and better. And then toward the end of that, uh, five months, I remember I did a set once. Um, it was actually crazy. There was a team back then that was being put together by Pete Colson. Um, who was, who was uh, McKeeley Jones' husband coach during a long period of time, and a guy named Mark Lees, who was a good uh, Australian pro. And uh, the team was like Matt Clark, an Australian pro, Craig Alexander, who your listeners probably know, uh, Luke McKinsey. And then they wanted to get a guy in Arizona because Lees was in Arizona, but he wasn't going to race much. And uh, I met him, and he looked at my results, and he said, dude, you, you swim like shit. Like you can't be on our team. You're going to be terrible. And then I said, no, 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 I got it now. And I, he didn't believe me at all. 
So he, I remember he went to the pool. He literally came, well, I didn't know him. I was like kind of scared, but he went to the pool and he wanted to see, he went right up to the coach and said, okay, will you make the group do uh, 10 150s on 215? And I want to see what, what he can do. Cause he says he can swim now, you know? And, and I remember I did it and I held 135 on all 10 of them. And I got out of the pool and he said, you can be on our team. <laughs> so that was like, that was like at the beginning of the five months, I couldn't do 10 hundreds on 140. And then I did 10, uh, 150s holding 135. Now I didn't, I wasn't able to keep that going. Cause when you're not, um, when you're not riding and running, you know, you can swim quite a bit quicker, you know, your legs are better for swimming, but, but yeah, that, that was the, to answer your question in a long way. That was when I did that. That was a Oh three Oh four. Yeah. That's, I think that's really cool. I think, yeah, a lot of people are kind of scared to commit that much to taking that much time off of the run and the bike in order to make those kind of gains. Yeah. But, um, but I think, yeah, it's definitely a, I think it's something that more people should be should be okay with, right? Like I mean, Marilyn has talked about this with like her run challenge and other things where you, if you put something really to the forefront like that, you can actually make those gains and then you can probably hang on to whatever, like 90% of them, right? Like maybe you can't hang on to all of them, but that that'll kind of sounds like that period of time stretched out the rest of your career, right? Like once you were to that level of swimming. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the type of thing where, um, I mean, the crazy part was back then most triathletes had some weakness, whereas now like at the high, as a, at a high level, as you know, nobody really has any weakness. Like it's just who has the day or who's prepared, but cause everybody's so good at all of it. But I think that, um, generally speaking and, and across cycling and triathlon and gravel and mountain biking, um, the athletes who are really willing to objectively find what their weaknesses are, no matter how small and address them and work on them specifically, uh, tend to do the best, uh, because there's so much more to be gained in, in fixing a weakness than improving a strength further. Um, that's just been my experience. And, and I, when I've seen people make big jumps from like, you know, a, a pro who might get 10th to 15th in a, in a lot of races, and then all of a sudden they're cracking top five, they did something usually with a weakness as opposed to like making their awesome bike even stronger or something like that for me, for my, for my experience, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. But it's hard to do that. Right. Nobody wants to, you know, all the triathletes that are good swimmers just hit, they hit masters every day, but you know, they don't run that much or, and I, I mean more like pros do it all, but like at, at an age group level, like people just like to do what they're good at, you know, they'll make the shootout every week, but they don't swim or run much, you know, that kind of person. So the, the, the bike split and the run split are the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's not what yeah. you want. Yeah. Not, that's not bike split, not, you know, yeah. split and the walk split or yeah. like really yeah, close. Really yeah. Close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, the other, the other thing I wanted to just, um, hear, share with our listeners a conversation that you and I had yesterday again was you had uh, a unique insight really early on in that your approach was always going to be that you want to be doing this for a long time oh yeah right yeah. and so a lot of professionals when they get into it like you had said uh, you didn't you had some like self-preservation from what you'd been through as an elite cyclist yeah. But you had the forefront to say, I want to be an endurance athlete. I want to be in triathlon for a long time. Like you had that ability to look all the way into your thirties, your, you know, and beyond, you know, your, your early forties now. So you always knew this was something you wanted to do for a very long time versus I'm going to, you know, go gangbusters at this, like I did with cycling and then have a short period of time in this. What was the, you know, what was that process? Like, what was, I mean, if you don't mind sharing is, cause there is, 
there is people who I'm going to just, even the amateurs, I'm going to jump in. I'm just going to do one Ironman, one and done and I'm out. Mm -hmm. And then I certainly, the majority of the people I work with, we, we are, you know, sort of long-term development driven that, Hey, this is something we do for a long time. And it's going to, you know, be a part of your life and make your life better for a long time. Be interested to hear your experience coming from like, I'm a all in hardcore elite cyclist. And then, you know, where, you, yeah. where you've gone with that. It's kind of definitely an unusual approach. I think people that ever get to a high level don't, I mean, and that's maybe that limited the level I was able to get to because I had that approach. But um, I was telling Marilyn just as a ride, as a cyclist, I was so my, it was my first sport and I was so all in and so committed and willing to do anything to be, to, to, to get that spot on a world championship team or, you know, I was looking at wanting to make the Olympic team and doing things like that. And um, again, like I didn't end up continuing in cycling. And then when I was able to keep doing triathlon, I thought I didn't ever want to be that person again, not because of how I thought other people would view me, but because of how I felt about myself being that person. I'm like, I don't, that's not a happy life. I didn't want that life. So I thought, like I said, like the first year I did triathlon, I didn't, every workout was like, I tried to swim, bike and run every day. Usually that was like swimming at 800, biking. 14 miles an hour for two hours and running three miles. And I thought I was just this great, even though I'd raced at a high level on the bike, I didn't, I, I never thought I was just like, I get to be active. And the fact that you like get to, could train for a triathlon and doing that, I thought that that I could be, it would make me feel good and be happy. And so I, uh, I wanted to do it for a long time, good, bad, and different. And I didn't have like a lot of these people come into sport, more people come into sport and they have like, I'm going to do this and give it three years or I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go to grad school. I was just kind of like, I wanted to do it and it was for myself and not really for, um, for any other reason. But the reason I jumped around so much sport wise is I think my attention span goes away after a bit injuries. And then thirdly, um, just the economics of it. If there's an opportunity and it sounded fun, um, like currently it was mountain biking and it was a good opportunity and, um, it was offered to me. It was like, well, this could kind of, <laughs> this could extend it again a little further if I, if I wish to, to, to do it. And, uh, that's kind of how I've done it. And, um, I, like I said, I don't, I don't push that upon people. I don't know that it's the right thing for everybody. I just know for me, I'll be that guy, you know, doing it when I'm 60 and hopefully older, but like, that's just, I now when I was 20, I would say, I'm going to do it when I'm 40, but, um, I, you know, I don't know, like 40 that, was so old. Yeah, that was old, like, right. Yeah, I got I really that old. 40 was old when I was 35. <laughs> 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 42 was all when I was 40 and I'm 42. So yeah, I don't know, but I just had that. Um, it's, it's, I know it's very unusual and, um, but I just thought, I just thought that I, it was something I really enjoyed doing. And so I, I wanted to do it, but I didn't, I never did want to get as serious as when I wrote and what serious is it's relative, but just that mindset of just like, you know, like you're like, I don't know, maybe it was being a little bit young and selfish but like the people your your peers aren't your friends and that kind of thing and they really weren't because we were always pair you know pushed against each other for you know like u.s postal service gonna is gonna pick up one guy this year and there's like six of us who could possibly get that spot and you know either one guy is gonna make a bunch of money and be a pro in europe and the rest of us are gonna be still sharing a room you know and so you're really like you can't it's hard to be friends with those people right. you know and share knowledge and have fun and and uh and, you know, get into a reasonable amount of trouble and things like that. Like, so I didn't, I never went back there again. And, uh, I, I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but that was kind of what, what, you know, but regardless, you became successful at 
being a triathlete as well as continuing as a road racer on a, you know, later once you got back into that gravel. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird too, because I, I never thought I would ever, um, I never, I was like committed to never riding a road race again. And then, and it took like, it literally took like 10 years. And then I thought, that's a silly way to view the world. Like to not like, come on, like if your friends are doing it or something to do, or there's an opportunity, I'll do a road race. And, but I really, I was like, I'm not, I, I, for me, it was just like a mental block. Like I couldn't put on a number and get in a Peloton and do that. I just couldn't do it. But, uh, but I like doing it sometimes now. <laughs> yeah. And how is the, uh, how is the carryover Ben from like, being a triathlete to being a road racer to being a mountain biker, have you have you found the fitness to be like how have you found that transition back and forth? I, I don't know if there's like if you want to talk about, I guess you were a triathlete for a while and then you kind of switched back. I don't know where you went to first, but if you want to tell us how that went from, from like a training or or like a uh, like at the like do you mean do you mean how, how does the day to day change when you're doing a different sport or no like the, the training go like when you were a triathlete for a while and then you got back into like just riding for a little bit yeah were you like oh I do not have the punch I need like and you needed to kind yeah. of go work on that or or what right. was yeah okay so um yeah initially even like maybe ten years ago when I was I felt like racing triathlon at a pretty high level even local like one twos races I would be surprised like when, when somebody would say attack or whatever, I would, I would be surprised at how hard it was for just even a brief period of time. Um, but, um, the thing that's crazy is like, once I got into like bigger UCI races, uh, I would start doing those and and then you become really, really, um, it, that it becomes easier quickly. Like that, that for me came back, but the problem I had big time was just being older and not being able to, uh, things when I was like a teenager that I would do risk wise, uh, like in terms of like holding my position, like in, in pro, in pro cycling, like being in a good position in the group is so important. You have to be able to do that and fight. And, and I, I, uh, I can't, I could, I never, I, I in my thirties and on, I couldn't, I, I really, really, really struggle with that. Like 200 guys at Redlands or Gila or somewhere, I'd be at the back and I wouldn't really care. <laughs> I know like there's going to be a split and we're going to, we're not going to make it but I'll be with like some guys and we'll ride. But in pro cycling, like you really have to be good at, at holding position in the, in the Peloton. And I, I was never great at it, but I, um, in, in road racing again, like I can do pretty well, I think in like regional races because the fields aren't as big and you don't have that, that fact of like, I mean, literally like the splits happen and you don't even, you're not even aware of it if you're not in good position. And, uh, that, and then like mountain biking, I mean, obviously like, I think, I have a decent engine and I like to ride a bike a lot so I can mountain bike and gravel race. Well, um, mountain biking itself requires a lot of technical ability and I'm like a, a C to a C minus at that. So, um, again, like I could pick races specifically that work that are good races for me, but I tend to just do any race. And so I have some really bad results in races that are not, yeah. I mean, like you just lose so many, so much, um, if you can't carry speed through the more technical parts and, um, you know, I'm not bad, but like, I mean, you've seen it really, really good mountain bikers can, they can just do it quite well, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, definitely, uh, I love to run, but running makes cycling really hard at a high level. (laughs) It just does like those punch it, like you could maybe like a sustained effort for like a half Ironman, you can do pretty well with running, but if you have to like ride a high cadence or change speed a lot, 
it's really nice to have like cycling legs is what I call it, which, um, I, for me anyway, I, I'm not able to run 40 miles a week and also, uh, have my legs not feel, not feel like kind of dead for, for cycling, you know? So, um, even like, like even the, if it's true what they do, I mean, even Euro guys that do cross in the winter, I mean, they run a little bit, but they're not running. Like they talk about it, like they're a runner and they're doing like two, four mile runs a week, you know? So it's really not that much running. And, and that's training for a sport where you're doing some running, you know? So I don't know. That's just been my experience. And I know everybody is, everybody's a lot different. I mean, maybe you guys can get Cam Worf on and talk to a guy on a whole different level at both at both. And he could tell you, um, cause he seems like he's doing it, um, very well. Um, so you ever feel like, uh, when you come from a cycling background, that's that elite and you get into triathlon, you have an ability to really suffer on a bike much more than I would say someone who purely just comes from a triathlon background, because, you've trained the bike. Number one, you've ridden your bike so much more than most triathletes ever get the opportunity to, because they're trying to balance the sport. So you've ridden a lot more miles. You also are in that sport where you're at the hand of other people's attacks. So you, you do have a, as a triathlete, you have like a, a governor because you always know you have to run as a cyclist. You just got to hold that wheel and go. Sometimes you're bleeding out your eyeballs to stay with the wheel. And that's part of the sport. So you come into triathlon, you're a little bit behind in the swim, and then you have this ability to, you don't think you're going that hard because in comparison to say like a TT and a a road race and a stage race or holding some guy's wheel on a climb that's 30 minutes where you're bleeding out the eyeballs, it's you're, you feel like you're holding back. However, you are going pretty hard. Would you say that there's any kind of learning curve in being able to close those gaps and then still be able to run well did it serve you well that you could do that one or was it something that was like oh man I really need to learn to govern this ability because I now need to learn how to be able to run this fast with these people to put myself in the race was there any anything with that that's a good question I think um yeah I mean given like we talked about you know like getting getting in the the pro pace line or whatever that ha- legal pace line that happens races where I've been fortunate enough to do that. I tend to, to run a lot better. Um, and then in general, just in general, like I think that swimmers can really hurt in the pool. Bikers can really hurt on the bike and runners really know how to hurt while they're running. I even remember when I first was trying to swim, I was just slow. Like I couldn't hurt. Like I was like, I'm going as fast as I can go, but now having swum a lot, I, I can hurt a lot more in the water and I can find I don't know if it's recruiting certain muscles or whatever, but you just figure out a way to like push it harder. Um, I definitely have more success running when I kind of like don't allow that upper 5% to be accessed no matter what, Right. you know? And so if I can really, you so know, you get to learn where that line, you is. get to learn where that is, yeah. you know? And, um, and yeah, I think that and it's, it might hard. Be it's, it's hard because you're racing, you know, you're like, yeah. I want to race, but um, it's really fun to like, whether it might be leading off the bike or, I really need to close that gap to that group right now and making that decision, but you know, it's going to really cost you. So I think, yeah, like one of one of it's funny, it's like totally not where you're going, but like, I can't sit forward on a bike. Like I sit really, really back. And I was from the era of cycling where you got your back seat posts and then you take your seat and slam it all the way back. And it doesn't matter where your knees are. That's where you sit on the bike. That's a, that's what a pro rider does. Everybody, everybody seats all the way back on an already back 72 and a half degree angle seat tube. 
And to this day, like, I can't sit on a bike like a triathlete. I sit like, I think my saddle, if I have a regular length saddle, I'm like seven and a half centimeters behind the bottom bracket. That's a lot. Yeah. yeah. And I can't, I've tried, yeah. I've tried. You know, even, it's, I mean, yeah. legally in a TT and a UCI race, it's only five. So that's with now cut off saddles. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's yeah. a lot. So yeah. I've tried, like, I've tried um, for months to, to like sit forward and like people are like, oh, you'll adapt, you'll adapt, you'll be fine. And I'm slower and I don't run any better. And like, there's an example, like, but you are, you do have like a tighter hip angle. It does hurt your back more. There's always reasons not to sit back. Yeah. I just can't do it. Right. So, um, there's things like that, that, that are like true carryovers where it's actually like hurting you, but yeah. that background hurts you. But, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a unique one for sure. Yeah. The only guy I've ever seen, do you know who really sat back? Not, I'm not, we're not comparable, but Lieto really sat really far back on the bike. Yeah. And we shared stories once he told me the same thing. Like he went to Boulder and had some like yeah. fit guy fit him and move him all the way forward. Like dunk, like maybe, I mean, he said it was a lot, like maybe like an inch or two to more normal tri position. And he did a race and like for the first time, somebody went by him on the bike and he's like, all right, yes, yes, push right. it yeah. back. And yes. I know, but I think the thinking was, if you could bike the same, you might be able to run better yeah. with it. But I like, I could, I could never, you know, do that. Now, now fun, now fun fact too, is you're, you're kind of known for being like a real gear bike tech really kind of right. Like you're, you're, like like you're, you're, you're into bikes. I'm into bikes. bikes. You love bikes. You love gear. You love, you you like trying like lots of unique things. Like right now we're sitting here, we're in Costa Rica. We're going to do all these crazy climbs. And there was all this banter within the group before that you're coming with a one by. So these things are like, not by mistake. You think about this stuff. Yeah. There's my bike over there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like a little over 12 pounds with clinchers. Yeah. And, um, these Tico, they call them Tico's the locals and they're, these guys are like, they're like Colombians and I'm, you know, 170 pound white dude. And I feel like I've reached my limit in terms of, you know, there's going to be four or five guys that are still quicker than me up these like 20% grades. So I figured I'm going to come back with the lightest bike I can make with all ceramic bearings, fast tires. I probably won't be any faster, but that I, that's what I've resorted to, to try to try to <laughs> keep up with these guys. So, and you have a one by on there. I do. I have like a, it's like a, a narrow wide chain ring with 40 teeth, which. Okay. It's like an 1132 on the back and a one by on the front. Nice. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. Do you run one by in triathlon? No. no, no. Have you thought about it? Nope. Never even thought about it. Okay. So I mean, there's also, you've also got a little bit of experience with, I know this um, about you is you've won the 2k pursuit as a master 3k 3k, so 3K, 3K. Yeah, yeah so 3k on the track as well so we did we, i tell you that no i just know oh that yeah you're like, you're like wait a minute maryland is so good maryland is so good look at this yeah. I'm, I'm i know a lot of facts about i can tell you a couple little fun facts so, so yeah day. so yeah. we talk about mountain bike triathlon uh, I gravel yeah you know your road history but you actually um are master's national champion yeah i'm not track. a very accomplished track cyclist but I did go do that. And, uh, that was a funny one. <laughs> like, it sounds shit? hilarious. <laughs> yeah. That is, that was a funny one because, um, that actually fits my, my physiology. I'm just not very, um, riding the track. I think track riders spend a lot of time on the track and, um, like I, I was blown away how far Lionel Sanders went in an hour because right. he so doesn't, he just has so much power. And they tried to like contain that. And he did really well. I was amazed how well he, I mean, it's amazing. And it shows like, okay, that's why he's really hard to ride with for everybody. Cause he's that strong. 
And I think it elevated his cycling. But if you don't ride track, it's really hard. I don't ride much track and never really did. I always kind of dabbled. Holding um, the line when you're moving that fast. Yeah, and you, lose, skill. you lose a ton of um, distance if you're not holding the line. Um, but the funny thing about that was James Kramer, who owned the Faster Wind Tunnel, yeah, wanted me to come with him and do it. Yeah. And uh, he kind of, we had a big plans and there was a group of us going to go and it kind of, we, we didn't end up doing it to that degree. And I, to the degree he wanted to do it. And then a week before the rain, we're going to do team pursuit and all these different events. And I'm like, well, dude, I'm not doing any mass start. I'll do team pursuit and I'll do, I'll do the, 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 the pursuit. I'm not going to go do, uh, I think it was in South Carolina. I'm like, I'll just go out and we'll have fun for the week. And, and, uh, but I didn't have track bike. I did have an old P4, Cervelo P4 in my garage that had horizontal dropouts. And, uh, I, uh, like, okay, that can work. And so I like me, I mean, I, the, the cool thing about that bike is it's the same as their track bike geometry wise. And I knew that. And that T4 is the track one is quite an accomplished track bike. It's done really well. Obviously the P4 is, I mean, now you have like a rear brake space missing and you have a water bottle place that's missing. So I was like, okay, I think I got a shot at this, but the funny part about it was, uh, and I didn't even think about this. I, just like an oversight was I went to do the, uh, the race and they kind of like selectively enforce UCI rules. Mm -hmm. And I, I was really worried about the extension of the handlebars. And I was just going to hold them like, like with my pinky and my uh, ring finger thinking for length. Cause I, I'm, I have a long torso and the, the rules don't work for me very well. It's fine. Like what I'm doing it for fun. And, uh, and uh, the um, I go to do the race and my bike is too light because it's a before <laughs> and i'm borrowing james's uh lightweight he had lightweight discs that company like that yeah. lightweight brand and right. that he gave me to use and i was like oh shit like my bike doesn't weigh in which i mean it makes no difference like grandma brie broke the the hour record on a 40 pound bike in the 90s like weight isn't going to matter much but it is a rule and so i um what did i do i had 10 minutes i went and i took the seat post out and shoved a track chain in my seat post oh, hilarious. and put a bunch of like crumpled up duct tape up there to try to hold it. And I put it in and I went to the start. I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. And dude, I got like two laps around the track and the chain came out <gasps> and it came down into the bottom bracket and was like rubbing on the, uh, the, you know, the bottom bracket or the crank axle. Okay. It was making the most awful sound. <laughs> And I remember for a second, I was like, I should just stop. Cause if it gets caught, I'm mean, like, it could be, this could it. be a disaster, you know? And I just kept going and uh, yeah. So not only did I win it, I won it with like two chains and one of them, like <laughs> limping along I might've been the first e-bike. Like if they'd x-rayed it, it would be like glowing red when I finished. Yeah. That's hilarious. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A couple of people said to me after the race, like, wow, you really, you really didn't hold your line very well for going that fast. And I'm like, you don't need, you have no idea the extent of my problems during that ride. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, if, the, if it got caught in there the wrong, somehow, like it could stop you. Right. Cause it's here. Like you could get stopped at like 35, 36 miles an hour. Just like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You could yeah, be. Yeah. So yeah. I can't believe you knew yeah. that I did that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, I like, I like doing a lot of different stuff. I think, I think it's fun. Maybe that also is why I've had some longevity, you know, cause I just like to do different things and keep it fun. You know? Awesome. That, well, that sounds insanely scary. I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I wait, I wait in at least, you know, yeah. And you, you yeah. were able to start. So yeah. Congrats yeah. on that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so you said you have Indian Wells coming up next. I'm thinking about it. Are you doing that race? Uh, no, I'm actually going to Disney world. So oh, you are? Yes. Yeah. In, or in Orlando. 
Yes. Really? Oh, because you have kids and stuff. I do. I have, yeah. I have one. You're not doing that for you. <laughs> I am not going for myself. No, I'm actually a kind of a curmudgeon about Disney. Uh, but my family is all going from the East Coast. And so we're all going to meet down there. And so I will be, I'll end my season in Arizona and then head over to Disney World for a little bit. So I will there miss it. There used to be place. a 70.3 there at Disney really? World. Wow. Yeah, and wasn't uh, there yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, there was. Uh, there was. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll come down and, and watch you do Arizona. That'd be fun to watch the the pros are the pro men are getting to do Arizona again this year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It looks like I've I've heard there's going to be some some a few fast guys coming out, so it'll be fun. Cool. Um, cool. But yeah, how how is training going for Indian Wells? How are you feeling? Um, well, I feel pretty good. I mean, um, last year I raced a couple races age group, and I really enjoyed it. And I was able to be at Worlds. I got on the podium, I guess they call it. And then with some problems and the other races I did, I won pretty easily. And I, you know, like I miss the, like, regardless of how I'm able to do as a pro, I miss that dynamic of like trying to make the group on the swim or a group and then the tactics on the bike. And then like, I just really missed that aspect of racing. And I felt like it wasn't the same. And so, um, I was pretty committed to not racing pro triathlon anymore, but then I, I did what for me, I did just well enough that I was like, you know, maybe I could, maybe I could give it one last try. So I, I, um, if I do, yeah, I, I figure that's a good race. It's like flat by nice weather. Like the variables are kind of not that men, not, not that vast at Indian Wells. And maybe I could have fun and, and do it and just trying to like build up swimming and train a little more like a professional than an age grouper, that kind of thing. So yeah, I think good. I mean, who knows? I mean, as long as if I, if I don't feel injured or whatever running, then that's a good sign that, with where I'm at now. You also, um, the ran, there's a giant triathlon club in Scottsdale, Arizona, um, try Scottsdale. And if Arizona listeners, a lot of them will know it because it's, it's huge, right? What'd you say? Is Very that big. Yeah. 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 We're big. Yeah. And you started that. Yeah. We started that a group of three of us started that in, um, the end of 2006, we wow. did it. And I kind of, I was really involved for about 10 or 11 years. And, uh, it was a good, it was a good run. I mean, I think it kind of, it kind of like coincided with Ironman coming to Arizona. So like back then we had the half Ironman with Soma and that was doing really well. I think that is what got Ironman brand interested in Arizona. And so the growth of like, you know, a lot of people would see Ironman or have a family member do Ironman and then they would like be interested and start joining our workouts. And so I was like a, pro coach i'd lead all the workouts and stuff for a long 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 time um out of scottsdale and it was it was cool it was really cool i mean kind of so it was kind of like this like the sport was really growing it was really growing a ton in the phoenix area phoenix scottsdale area with ironman being there with soma becoming a a 70.3 ironman event and then all the other races um and those were all kind of happening because the advent i think the tempe town lake went in in like 2000 and 2000 maybe 99 1999 which allowed um a lot of triathlon racing or like swim run races in a, in the urban environment of Tempe. So, um, yeah, I mean, we did that. And I think the success of it was in part, uh, we got pretty lucky just with the, the growth of the sport. There's a lot of people coming in, a lot of sponsor interests. Um, we started, I lost my mom to breast cancer when I was fairly young. And, and so we kind of aligned with Susan G. Komen when we started and we did an all women's race, which ended up being pretty successful. Um, and that was fun because a lot of women would come up to me in Ironman and say, I did the Coleman race. Cause I had a family member who 
uh, dealt with breast cancer, passed away due to breast cancer. And then they got crazy in a triathlon. Now they're doing Ironman. So that was really cool. Like just all in the area, it was a really fun, you know, decade that we did. Um, I, I would yeah. say, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever pointed this out, but I would say just in this conversation, one of your talents would be because you've been in the sport for a long time is being able, we pointed out two scenarios now where you've been able to really, I don't know if the right words would be, but see forward because back then, like now tri teams are huge. It's the thing. And it's been the thing for a long time, but back then tri teams didn't really exist. And so to, to start a tri team, have it developed to be that big. And then this many years later to have it still be around and be yeah. one of the biggest tri teams in Arizona, that, you know, that's, that's pretty special without, you know, anyone yeah. really probably recognizing that because there's most people are newer into the sport now and tri teams are a big thing now. But that wasn't the case until probably what would you say like two thousand and seven tri teams two thousand eight teams started started, to, started happening yeah more it yeah. was it was never That's when Ironman started to recognize it and promote it and that kind of thing yeah I think yeah I mean I think I had some pretty good ideas but I don't I don't really take credit for it because I I had two guys a guy named Mark Rubin um, who was involved for quite a while and then this guy um, named Preston Miller who's amazing he's still like I don't know he's like kind of the godfather <laughs> but he's a he went to West Point he was an older triathlete had run a lot of businesses. He was kind of a, a mergers and acquisitions type guy, been really successful. And he, these guys like being aligned with them for me, I just kind of got lucky, but they, I had, like I said, I had good ideas, but I couldn't have done it. Not even close on my own. I had some things I brought to the table and, but with their help and their ideas, and they would just come to me and say, Hey, could, do you think this will work or will that work or where are people? So I could, I could, I could really, the sporting side of it, I knew, but I didn't know like the business side of it at all or how to get anything done. And they did. And, uh, I, and they, to their credit, I think, um, they, they were kind of like, they were helping me philanthropically, even though I felt like I was like, I didn't think that was the case, but I think they were like, it's really hard to make a, for somebody to keep doing this and make a living at it. And, and for me, it allowed me to economically do it, you know, and, and not be, you know, and be eating, yeah. you know, and, you know, whatever. So I was like, <laughs> I think they they were like, okay, this is the only way that he could keep going if we want to be friends and keep like, and not have to do something else. And so, um, yeah, and it was a lot of work. Like, don't get me wrong. I mean, we were, we were, I was up at 5 a.m. many, many mornings, but not that a lot of people aren't for child leads, that's a normal thing, but um, I did a lot of work, but um, I was always just giddy at the fact that I was able to, this was going to be my life and I was doing it and um, that we were accomplishing a lot and bring a lot of people in the sport and uh, you know, our message was like fitness, wellness, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and maybe, and using triathlon as a, as a, you know, as a way to do that or help with that or organize your life around that. And, uh, yeah, now, I mean, I'm not really that involved. I mean, mostly in Montana now and, um, you know, I'll do some events with them and whatnot, but, um, it seems like it's flourishing. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It seems like it's going really well there. And I, I think they're one of the bigger tri clubs that kind of competes against like the, for lack of a better word, like branded tri clubs, like the Zoot tri team or the Wadi Inc or whatever, they're kind of their own thing. It kind of, which is awesome to see them, them kind of thriving against a, a more branded setting. So good job. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know, as we introed with you guys are in Costa Rica and I don't want to take all of your evening away from you. I want you guys to be able to unplug and enjoy your night. Um, Marilyn, do you have any more questions before 
No, I really, I really enjoyed um, getting to, you know, share a little bit of your story with our audience. And yeah, thanks for having me. I really yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's been fun even just we get the whole week to hang out and get to know you even better. But I think I've known of you for <laughs> what, like 20 years and like, yeah. and we've met yeah. like very briefly here and there, but never actually got to spend right. time together. So it's been a real treat. And so it's like nice to be able to bring that to our listeners. So thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And if people want to like check in with you, see how your pro try uh, your pro career is going in various directions in the future, is there a good way for them to uh, to keep tabs on you? Yeah, Instagram, Lewis Elliott Racing. And again, it's that forward vision because I could be like a Formula One racer, maybe, or like <laughs> I like it. Rock. You just don't know. Like it could be anything. It's wide open. <laughs> you're just gonna I be mean, racing. Yeah, I'll be racing yeah, something. Racing. Yeah. It could be like my walker in the in the in the old folks home i don't know be racing something nice yeah i like it i like it never stop racing um well i really appreciate you guys spending the hour with me and yeah thank you very much enjoy the rest of your trip thanks jesse thanks, thanks for jesse. Listening. yeah all right Bye. and i'll put Lewis elliott racing in the show notes so you guys can check it out there thank you guys thanks, thanks.